0: Can everyone hear me? Does everyone have an outline. If you don't have an outline, raise your hands and a uh, brother will give it to you. Uh, there's, you'll see there. Uh, Carrie and uh, these three brothers here need outlines. Thank you. Oh, I forgot my outline. <laughs> Okay. Okay, sorry for the typo. Uh, I was out all day and I couldn't correct it. So the title should say The Covenanting God and His Covenants. Uh, major Covenants that God Made with Man. That's a subject today. Uh, we're going to see, we're just going to kind of like give a general overview of the major covenants and we'll cover uh, one of them. Uh, you know, as an illustration. So, uh, you know, God is a covenanting God, and he has covenanted himself to us. So we want to see, uh, we want to start off with what's the difference between God's promise, God's facts, and God's covenants? What's the difference? Okay, so uh, let's read A. God's promise. Amen. God will do something for me in the future. Okay, that's that's not uh let's do it again. God's promise. He means that God will do something for me in the future. Very good. Much better. Okay, Revelation 7:17. 7, Yeah, so that's a promise in the future to those who pass through the great tribulation that these ones, God will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of waters of life and will wipe every tear from their eyes. So that's something in the future. That's a promise. But technically, legally, God is not bound to keep that promise because it's just a promise that he gave to us. So, uh, so that's what promise means. It's that God says, I'm going to do something for you in the future. Okay, B, God's fact. God's Go. God's fact means that God has already done something for man in the past. Yeah, so God's fact means that he has already done it. So Isaiah seven fourteen. that's a promise. Yeah, so that was written by Isaiah the prophet. He lived around 8th century B.C. So that was given a long time ago. And then in Galatians, when Christ came, he fulfilled that word. So we have Galatians 4, 4 through 5. Let's read that. Go. So that promise that was given in Isaiah 14 was fulfilled by the coming of Christ. He was born of woman, and he fulfilled that word in 7.14. It says, God sent forth his son. That is, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So that is a fact that has been accomplished. So now, how are these two things related to the Covenant. Let's read C, go. God's facts are the oath, they a which
1: be
0: yeah, so when God's promises and facts are sealed with an oath, they become a covenant which cannot be altered. So now, uh, if y'all have a Bible, go to Hebrews six seventeen. 17 and 18, and uh, I'm going to read it to you, so I'll give you a few seconds to pull it up if you want to pull it up in in the Bible. Okay, so it says this, Therefore, God, intending to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his counsel, so his counsel is his promise. He interposed with an oath. That means he swore to fulfill his promise. In order that by two unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, that's the first thing, it's impossible for God to lie. And not only is it impossible for, to lie, he gave us an oath on top of that. So by these two unchangeable things, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. That hope is God himself. That's our hope that's set before us, which we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and firm, and which enters within the veil that is in our spirit. That is the hope that is set. And so, God is the covenanting God, and He interposes promises with an oath so that we would have strong encouragement. We know that God will not lie, but sometimes when we are weak in faith, that oath becomes a strong encouragement to show that it is now a legally binding contract. And so God cannot go back legally on his word because he has interposed it with an oath. So it is not changeable. So for example, Genesis 22, 16 through 18, let's read it. Go ahead. Yeah, so 17, it says, I will surely bless you and will greatly multiply your seed like the stars of the heaven and like the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So that's a promise. And after the death and resurrection of Christ, you know, this word has been fulfilled. This room is filled with his seed, where all the sons of uh, Abraham, by faith, and then not only that, but. So that's the stars in the heaven. That's his heavenly, the de- heavenly descendants of Abraham. But there's also the sand on the seashore, which is the earthly descendants of Abraham. And so you have the Jews, which are on every continent on this earth. So this promise is a fact now it's been fulfilled. And so, but it says here by myself, I have sworn. So in addition to the promise and the fact, he swears that he is going to, do it and so when he does it he <coughs> cannot change so let's read psalm 110 verse 4. Sworn, and he will not forever, the
1: the
0: yeah he has sworn and he will not change it cannot be altered so we want to know that the covenant that god has spoken to us cannot be altered he so we have strong encouragement to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. And so um, um, this so let's let's go to Roman numeral two before I get ahead of myself. Okay, five major covenants. Go. Five major covenants that God made with the
1: to
0: his Okay, there are five major covenants. In the Bible, that God made with man to accomplish His desire, uh, the first one is God's covenant with fallen man in Genesis 3:15. Um, but before we go on to that, uh, let's let's read F together. God desires. Yeah. So God desires to dispense what himself into us in Christ as the spirit to accomplish his eternal purpose, to have a people that is, is his counterpart, his expression and his dwelling place. In order to get his counterpart, someone that matches him, how could death match him? It can't. We're made of the dust of the earth. So what must he do? He has to impart himself into us. And that impartation, he has covenanted himself to us. So let's read Isaiah 42.6. Go. Go. Yeah, I have kept you and I've given you as a covenant. So in essence, actually, the five covenants is just one covenant. This covenant is God in Christ as the life-giving spirit given to us as a covenant. This is the covenant. And this is the light to all the nations. So if you see this point, then you will have light. Otherwise, you get lost by all the different details. There's a lot of details in all these different covenants, you know, with different aspects of Christ. But the main point is that God has covenanted himself to us so that we can accomplish his desire without imparting, without dispensing himself in Christ as the Spirit he cannot have his counterpart. So that's why he wants to strongly encourage us with his covenants over and over again so that we will not miss his intention because he is so easily misunderstood like when he gave the law we misunderstood him instead of a courtship instead of a you know God coming and saying you know, I will be such a husband to you who is righteous, who is holy, who is loving. I will be such a bridegroom to you. They thought, oh, you know, whatever you say, I will do. And so they, they misinterpreted and they misunderstood the Lord. And so the Lord is coming again and again, covenanting himself to us so that his desire can be fulfilled to have a counterpart. So that's the main point. So if you, you know, there's a lot of details. So if you get lost, at least you got the main point. So I just want to cover this. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to do like a heavenly tour of Revelation 12 as the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. So there's a lot of details in there. So in case you get lost, you got the main point. Who is the covenant? Christ. Christ. Who is the covenant? Christ. Christ is the covenant. That's the main point. You got it. Okay. So you have God's covenant with fallen man as the seed of woman. He has covenanted himself to us as this seed of woman. Then God's covenant with Noah in Genesis nine eight through seventeen. You have God as the covenanting God. He way he, I will set my bow in the clouds, and so he sets his bow in the clouds, indicating he will be faithful to his covenant. Uh, let me pull that out. That's, that was very impressive. Um, Genesis 9 uh, 8. Okay. Okay, 9:13, I set my bow in the clouds. And it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. So that rainbow indicates that he is the covenanting God. And he will remember his covenant with man. That is, he has covenanted himself to us. He will always remember that. We will never come under the judgment of death in... John 5 24 those who believe into Christ has passed out of death into life and will never come into judgment that's the fulfillment of 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 that promise so I will bring I will remember my covenant which is between me and you so he's the covenanting God so whenever you see the rainbow you have to remember God himself is the rainbow covenanting with us himself to us and in his wisdom, giving himself to us in Christ as righteousness, holiness, and glory, so that we would match him, okay? So let's see, let's read that, okay, so there in God's covenant with Abraham, he's the seed of Abraham. And as the seed of Abraham, when he's dispensing to us, he makes us the sons of Abraham. And as the sons of Abraham, we have the right to receive the promise given by the Lord to Abraham. And the promised blessing is the Spirit. That is the covenant with Abraham. That's, a, another, that's one of the major covenants, actually. Fortunately, we don't have time. So let's go to D. D. Yeah, so there in the covenant with David, he is the seed of David to make us the kings, to bring in his kingdom to the earth and subdue all his enemies under him. Okay, so then we come to E. Go ahead. Yeah, so you have the law of God enacted as a covenant with the blood of the covenant. This covenant was enacted with blood, and that blood of the covenant uh, typifies the blood of Christ. So when the Lord was on the earth and he uh, he shed his blood for us, uh, he enacted the new covenant in his blood. And so Chris is going to be sharing that next week, the content of the New Covenant, so stay tuned. It's very rich, full of details. Uh, Be back next week for the New Covenant. Um, So I want to read this to you. Uh, a A brother showed this verse to me, and I really enjoyed this verse. This is Hebrews 1320. It says, Now the God of peace He who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep in the blood of an eternal covenant. So that's the new covenant. And he is covenanting Jesus brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep. So praise the Lord for his covenant. He's the covenanting God and he has covenanted himself to us as a as a light for us. And so, once we see, see this, then it's like we won't get lost. Once we see that Christ is the covenant given to us, we have light. We know, despite all the details, we may not know, we may not understand all the details, or we may get lost in the details, but we know what is the covenant. The covenant is Christ. God wants us to enjoy Christ, and that we have a right to enjoy this Christ with strong encouragement, regardless of how sinful we are, how naughty we have been, how, you know, sometimes we get into this rut where we feel like I'm not worthy. You know, I can't come forward to the Lord. Well, that covenant is for us at that time, that I have a right and I can claim my right. When I, before I came to America, I never talked about rights. In Singapore, we never talked about rights. You just follow whatever the government said. (laughs) But here in America, Linda, you have certain basic rights. And so tonight, you're learning your basic rights. God has covenanted himself to us. He has restricted himself to you so that you have a right to enjoy him. Regardless of your condition, regardless of how poor your situation is, regardless of how many mistakes you've made, regardless of how weak you are, you have covenant. He has covenanted himself to us. There's a rainbow set in the clouds, and he will remember his covenant to us. He is the covenanting God, and he has covenanted himself to us. Okay, so now we go to Romans 3. Go ahead and read that. Yeah, so now we're going back to... 2A, it's God's covenant with fallen man in Genesis 3.15, where he has covenanted himself to be the seed of woman to us. And uh, by covenanting himself, he is going to bruise the serpent's head in us. Uh, How many of you have heard of Charles Wesley? Put up your hands if you know Charles Wesley. Okay, not that many. Okay. How many of you have heard of that hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Okay, a lot more, okay. Charles Wesley wrote that hymn, in case you didn't know. Charles Wesley wrote that hymn about 200 years ago. And uh, in the fourth stanza of that hymn, it says, uh, Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed bruise in us the serpent's head. So 200 years ago, someone already had the light to to see that the seed of woman is Christ himself dispensed into our being to bruise the serpent's head within us. And to make us the corporate seed of the woman, the overcoming man-child in Revelation 12, to judge Satan, the ancient serpent, to change this age from the age of the church into the age of the kingdom and usher in God's kingdom. So that's a huge, huge matter. So uh, before we take a tour of Revelation 12, let's go ahead and read Genesis 3.15. Go. Go. Yeah. So he will bruise you on the the seed of woman will bruise the serpent on the head but the serpent will bruise him on the hill. That is he was bruised on the cross and while he was bruised on the cross the Lord destroyed him who has the might of death. Let's read Hebrews 2:14. Go. Yeah. So when he was crucified, he destroyed the devil. So while he was being bruised on the hill, the serpent was being bruised on the head. At the very same moment, Satan was being destroyed. So praise the Lord. So now we go to uh, Revelation twelve. If y'all, it was too long to put put it on here. So so if you have a Bible, please flip to it and we will read through the verses and uh, we'll take a heavenly tour okay verse one it says and a great sign was seen in heaven okay a sign is something with a symbolic meaning so if you see a deer on a yellow sign it doesn't mean that that yellow sign is a deer no it's a sign symbolizing that there's deer in the neighborhood, be careful, drive slowly. So that's what a sign is. In the first verse of Revelation, it says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the one that's been covenanted to us. It's not the revelation of serpents, it's not the revelation of the dragon, it's not a revelation of the seven heads and the seven diadems and the ten horns and the seals, and the scorpions, and the locusts. is not any of that, okay? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, and he made it known by signs. And so here, a great sign was seen in heaven, okay? A woman clothed with the sun, and the moon underneath her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. So on one hand, the woman signifies Mary, because the Lord Jesus was born of a woman, That was a seed of woman. But on the other hand, it's a universal woman. Uh, It's a corporate woman because the sun, moon, and stars goes back to Joseph's dream in Genesis 37 where he dreamed that the sun, moon, and stars, the sun signifying his dad, the moon signifying his mom, and the 11 stars barring down to his star signifying the 12 brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel. So that, that was God's people on the earth at that time. That was God's corporate people on the earth. So that woman signifies all of God's people. So, so if you bring it, it then, so if you look in the light of the Old Testament and New Testament, throughout history, God's people is composed of the ones in the Old Testament and the ones in the New Testament, right? That is all of God's people. So this woman is clothed with a son, so in Malachi 4.2, it says that the Lord Jesus came as the Son, as you of righteousness. He has risen with healing in his wings. So then Luke 1.78 says that the Son has visited us from on high. So when Christ came, that was the dawning of the day. When the sun comes, that's the day, right? So that's the New Testament age. That is the time of the sun, That's the day. And so the majority of God's people, the majority of this woman will come from the New Testament age. And before the sun comes, what do you have? Night. And so the moon and the stars belong to the night. And so uh, that's the Old Testament age because the sun has not come yet. It has not dawned yet. So so the, the 12 stars on the head signifies the patriarchs because from Adam to Moses, you mainly see, you just see individuals. Adam, Seth, Enoch, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. So these are the patriarchs, the individual stars. And we had our beginnings with them. So they are the, we have a crown of 12 stars. That's That's what this woman is crowned with, the patriarchs, from Adam to Moses. Well then... From Moses to the coming of Christ, you have the children of Israel. But with the children of Israel, do you see individuals? You don't see individuals. You mainly see what did God do. God brought the children of Israel, a corporate people, out of Egypt. A corporate people went through the wilderness, and a corporate people went into the good land. So that is the children of Israel from Moses to Christ. And that is signified by the moon. A corporate entity, not individual stars. So, if you put all of that together, this woman is the universal woman from Adam to Moses, from Moses to Christ, and the New Testament believers till the Lord's coming back. So, this is the great sign. Fifteen years ago, I saw this sign, and it has—it's still shining. I hope that to. You know, after you see the sign and you see the man-child, this will be a light to you and he will direct you because it has directed my steps all these years. <clears throat> okay, verse 2. And she was with child. The woman was with child. And she cried out, travailing in birth, being in pain to bring forth. So what does this mean? So if you go to Galatians 419 under Roman numeral 3, go ahead and read that. My children, birth, yeah, my children with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed, that is, till Christ is matured in you. So this was to the Galatian believers. It wasn't to the unbelievers. It was to the believers. It was to the woman. And he was travailing in birth to form the man-child, the overcomers. And the mature part of the woman, the stronger part of the woman. Okay. So this child that is being brought forth, it's in verse 5, it says, and she brought forth a son a man-child who is to shepherd all the nations with an iron rod. It doesn't say a baby. It says a man-child. A baby cannot shepherd the nations with an iron rod. To shepherd the nations with an iron rod is to exercise God's authority over the nations. And then it says a child was caught up to God and to his throne. That means it is a mature child who can rule and reign with Christ because it, that child is sharing God's throne. He is caught up to God and to his throne. A baby wouldn't be brought up to God and to his throne. And so that is the the man-child, man, you know, uh, sorry sisters, but the Bible does say this, that the woman is the weaker vessel. And so, uh, so... The man child signifies, according to the word of the Bible, that uh, this is the stronger part within the o- woman. It is the overcoming part of the woman. So, so the, the vision is, th- and so once, once the man child gets caught up to the throne of God, something wonderful happens in the heavens. There's war in the heavens. Because, and then. Si- with this war, it says, uh, it says, and there was, in verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels went to war with the dragon, and the dragon warred and his angels, and they did not prevail. Neither was their place found any longer in heaven. This is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, that, you know, the Lord would crush him, bruise him on the head. This man-child has defeated satan and cast him from the heavens to the earth so what what was the uh, what was the crucial factor here the crucial fact that we need to see was that christ as the head was raptured 1900 years ago he was taken up to the heavens so he is there in the heavens already he has a head but where is his body his body is on the earth the woman is on the earth The woman should be the body of Christ. The church should be the body of Christ. But because that woman did not know the Lord's covenants and the woman did not partake of the Lord's covenant to dispense himself into her as the seed of woman to conquer Satan within her, that woman failed the Lord. And so then the Lord has to raise up the man-child, his overcomers within the woman to be his body. So once that body is formed, once a man-child is formed, he is raptured to the throne. And so now both the head, Christ, and his body, the man-child, the overcomers, are there in the heavens. Then the Lord, Lord is no longer put to shame. He can move directly against Satan and he can clear the heavens of his corruption. So there is a praise in the heavens. Is it, rejoice all the inhabitants in heaven and be glad because, the, because Satan has is cast down to the earth. So, so that's the thing. We want to fulfill the, the Lord's call in the book of Revelation to the churches. He says, he who over he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So the covenanting God with his covenants is speaking to us to enjoy his covenants, to lay hold of Christ as the seed of woman, dispensed to us, to bruise the serpent's head with us, within us, and to be his body, so that we could be taken up together to the heavens and clear the heavens of Satan and his angels. The Lord will no longer be put to shame. Without his body, Satan would say, where is your other head, but where are your people? And the Lord would have been put to shame. That's why the Lord has not acted against Satan until today. He's waiting for his body to be completed, for the man-child to be produced and formed within us. And then that man-child will direct Michael is angels against Satan, because while that man-child, the overcomers, was on the earth, they did not tolerate the presence of Satan. And so when they go up to the heavens, do you think they will tolerate Satan? No, they won't. Once they are raptured to the heavens, they will not tolerate Satan's presence in the heavens and will order Michael and his angels to cast Satan out of heaven. So this is where we're at we need to enjoy the covenant we need to grow in christ maturing christ to become the stronger part of god's people on the earth to be his overcomers so that the lord would have a body in reality so that the lord can move and end this age that is the start of the great tribulation that is the beginning of the three and a half years after it says uh a- after the the man child is raptured in verse 5. It says, the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place there prepared by God so that they might nourish her there a thousand two hundred and sixty days. So, so the majority of God's people will actually go through the great tribulation unlike the, what, the left behind series. That is not biblical because the woman is there in the wilderness through the entire period of the great tribulation. So So don't expect to be raptured just if you just lay back as a Christian and then when the Lord comes, he'll rapture you. No, no, we have to enjoy his covenants. We have to enjoy his word and we'll be strengthened into our inner man. That is the proper response to be the stronger part of the woman. We have to be our response must be Lord strengthen me into my inner man. I want to be the stronger part within your body so that you can fulfill your purpose. That man-child will be raptured to the heavens. That's our goal. So, as Christians, you have a goal. You you have a goal, a destination, and that is to be there in the heavens with the Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, verse uh, Roman numeral four. This is our response to the Lord. Once we see this, this is our response. Okay, go. Yeah, you want to become the stronger part of the woman? You have to be strengthened with power through his spirit into the inner man. Okay, read Ephesians 3:14 and 16. Go. "That he grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit into the inner man." Yeah, and then verse 17 says that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Uh so we should take his word, be strengthened with power through his word, by praying over the word, that is his covenants to us, and we'll be strengthened into the inner man to become the stronger part of the woman. And I hope uh this will help you to uh, uh in this message and um you know just daily just begin to as as you're strengthened, uh, let, me, let me give you an example because I, I think it's, it's all theoretical right now. So let me give you an example of our, ex- our experience. This summer, you, you know, we've been bruised. Not only was the Lord bruised on the hill, but we have been bruised by Satan. We all have been damaged by Satan. You know, our anger, our greediness, our ambition, our lust shows that we have been bruised by the the devil. This is the the devil bruising us. We've all been hurt by the devil. And so we're all suffering because of that. All our weaknesses, all our problems, you know, our relationships because of our anger, uh, our harsh words, our unforgiveness, all of that is the bruising of the serpent within us. And we have to contact the Lord to be strengthened with power by joy Him in our spirit, and through that enjoyment of the overcoming man-child, that is dealt with. And so this summer, I, you know, I suffered from uh, a number of issues. One of them was an anger issue, and it's just, uh, I was having all these internal battles. I knew I shouldn't be angry, but I But certain things my wife would say would trigger that anger within me. And so so I've been bruised by the serpent. And by contacting the Lord, I was saved by the overcoming seed within me. He swallowed up the anger, and now there's peace there. I'm so much more peaceful, and I have so much capacity, so much more capacity. It's not that all my problems have been dealt with. But this is another step. It's like in our Christian life, we take step by step to over to enjoy the bruising of the the, the enemy within us and to be released from the serpent, and that the serpent's head would be crushed, would be strengthened, and we'd be the stronger part of the woman. So, so I just shared this little experience so to bring it down to a practical level. We need to come to the Lord over and over again. Because we have a right, regardless of how you feel, claim that right, that, Lord, you are covenanted to me. I'm going to enjoy you as the seed of woman. I'm going to enjoy you as the seed of David. I'm going to enjoy you as the seed of Abraham. I'm going to enjoy you as the rainbow. I'm going to enjoy you in every way because you've been covenanted to us. Strengthen me in this way, okay? So I hope throughout your Christian life, you'll be encouraged by this word. Strong encouragement to lay hold of the hope set before you. Okay, so now we are. I prepared a reading for you in the back. So we're going to have a short time of uh, reading, maybe about five minutes, uh, and then uh, read and you can share. And then we're going to end early. And so Ty's going to help us to uh, perhaps, sorry, I went a little over. So maybe uh, at 7.20, we could uh, end this meeting and then Ty will take over. Thank you.